The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Cover story. Cover a story or attain that coveted story. Get it? That is exactly what you want. Quoted as the expert. The story. Headline. The spin. Every week, join us to talk about all things important to relating to the public. Your public. Craft your image. Promote your products. Create expert status. Become the buzz. Join us with the pros. PR 101. Crisis management. Media blitzing. It's all here on Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Now, Cover Story presents exclusive coverage of the 2009 PRSA Silver Anvil Awards. Please welcome your host, Brandy Shapiro Babin. Hi, everyone. This is Brandy Shapiro Babin with WebmasterRadio.fm, and we are interviewing Christina Duffney, Director of Public Relations for the American Kennel Club. Uh, the, for her submission, it's a category entered 4D events and observances more than seven days for associations slash nonprofit organizations, and their campaign entry was Campaign to Find a Dog for Obama. Uh, and their budget was $4,000 for newswire distributions and press conference props. Welcome, Christina. Hi, thanks for having me. This is so, I mean, oh my goodness, a Silver Anvil nominee. What a great nod. I know, we're so excited. This, this is, is a really great campaign. It is a really great campaign. And let's, let's, let's talk for a second. I mean, how long has the American Kennel Club been around? Um, actually, this year, the American Kennel Club is celebrating its 125th anniversary. Which, which is, I mean, wonderful. So, I mean, you've got a heritage brand with, um, I mean... I love dogs. People love dogs. How do you keep, um, how do you, like, normally, let's say, um, reach out to members of the Kennel Club and keep yourself sort of alive and out in front of people so that, you know, they understand who you are and what it is that you can do for people that are looking to have a pet in their life or already have a pet or a dog in their life? Well, we actually do a lot of work regarding responsible dog ownership. And we do a lot of uh, media surrounding that. We put out a lot of press release. We, give, we send out a lot of tips for the public. Really, um, our main goal is to educate the public on responsible dog ownership. Which is important. So what's, what's just as silly aside, what, what is like the most bizarre thing you've ever heard of someone doing that was like a non-responsible, oh my God, you should have known better thing to do? with a dog. Oh my gosh, that is a tough one. You'd be surprised at the crazy things that we hear. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> um, I actually, I have to be honest with you, I really don't have an answer for that. That's okay. That's okay. All right, we can cut that out. I just thought it was a fun, goofy aside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Um, okay, so let's talk. You guys took a really interesting approach. You took, you know, again, a heritage brand um, and a heritage not-for-profit, the American Kennel Club, and you guys realized that there was such a need for, um, you know, it's a, 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 you know, two new potential candidates, and their time coming into office, a lot of people were looking at, especially with Obama and having, you know, younger children in his family, what kind of dog he was going to get for his kids. 
Right. Well, with 2008 being a presidential election year and knowing that most of the news coverage would be surrounding the candidates, the ACE the AKC communications team really decided to take advantage of Barack Obama's promise to get his daughters a dog following the election. Um, We thought this would be a really great platform to educate potential dog owners about how to match a breed with a family lifestyle, um, also raise awareness of hypoallergenic breeds, and also position the AKC as an informational source. Which is really cool and forward-looking. I mean, talk about, you know, the conversation was already happening. So to inject yourselves in as, you know, obviously industry leaders when it comes to purebred dogs is a very smart and um, cleverly aligned way to get your point across. Yeah, we thought that since the majority of the press was going to be covering the election, we thought tying ourselves to it would be a really great um, platform. We also thought it was really important to get the public involved and personally invested in the story. So um, with our campaign, we actually started out by creating a dedicated URL called presidentialpup.com. So it's a nice, easy place for people to go to and a nice, easy name for them to remember. Um, But we also launched a poll on there that asked Americans to pick the breed that they thought best for the Obama family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Malia suffers from allergies. And that was a big right. component and, in her choosing, you right. know, and and them choosing a dog. Right. And most people think that um, if they have allergies, that they really can't have a dog or that dog ownership isn't for them. So this is a great way to educate the public that they actually could have a dog as well. Um, so our AKC experts researched out the personality, the lifestyle, the activity level of the Obamas. Um, Again, we also took his daughter Malia's allergies into consideration, and as a result, we offered uh, America the choice of five hyperallergenic breeds to choose from. Which is important, and something that we're seeing as a resounding theme from from the nominees of of the Silver Anvils this year, as well as, you know, a lot of people that are participating in Webmaster Radio, is enrolling people in a conversation so that it's something that's near and dear to their heart, and those people can then become the best evangelists to spread whatever you know word it is that you have, or what you know if it's a product, a service, um, awareness, etc. Yeah, including the public from the beginning of this PR campaign was really a key element in the, the success of it. Um, the poll really got people personally invested in the campaign and Obama's search for the dog. Um, they spread the word to other dog lovers, bloggers, um, those who followed the presidential election. They really got invested in the story by participating. Which is terrific. So let's talk about, you know, um, so we understand a little bit of the research. You also, not to show partiality, created, uh, you know, on the site McCain's can- um, Canines. Exactly. McCain um, has quite a menagerie of, of pets. Um, so we also, we didn't want to seem, um, we didn't want to highlight just Obama. So we also um, dedicated a part of presidentialpup.com to uh, McCain's canines. Yeah, and this is incredible. And when you really think about, you know, what your objectives were and who you were trying to target, you did. You had some lofty goals, but you guys managed, which we'll get to, about meeting and exceeding those goals. So, I mean, your objectives were to position the AKC as the leader amongst um, animal interest organizations on the subject of presidential pets by dominating news coverage and getting out ahead of the story. Um, and, like, your goal was to achieve, what, two out of three network morning shows and then maybe placement in five of the top ten newspapers in the country and maybe the front page of one web portal. So, I mean, that's pretty amazing. And, you know, to be able to reach half of the million, uh, half of the U.S. population, which is 152 million people, about the benefits of owning a purebred dog and how to obtain one more responsibly. So those were your, those were your five objectives, Yes. 
Yes, those were our objectives. And, you know, at the time, we weren't sure um, how lofty those goals were. So we we weren't sure also how long the campaign would last, um, how long Obama would be in the spotlight. So a lot of it was kind of, um, we kind of played with it a lot as we went along and kind of came up and developed new things as we were very spontaneous with the campaign. Now, how did that work for you being like, I mean, because that's great that you guys have the flexibility and that's so very important, especially during a presidential year. You know, public perception is changing moment to moment and, you know, enrolling people in a way that is, you know, positive, you know, for the Kennel Club is extremely important. So tell us about some of the things that you guys did, um, you know, like moment to moment to sort of, um, you know, uh, tweak the campaign on the on the spot. So given the unpredictable landscape for the bid for the White House, we really weren't sure how much time we had to work on the campaign. So knowing that the public was a key element, we immediately got our web team to develop a poll asking what breed they thought Obama should get. We took advantage of the 4th of July by launching our campaign right before the patriotic holiday. Um, We expanded the campaign as Obama's popularity grew, and we used our website, presidentialpup.com, as a platform to announce any Obama-related dog updates throughout the search. Um, We included feature photos, past presidential pets, public information about attaining a dog, among other things. We announced America's choice for a dog for Obama right before the Democratic Convention. That really filled the void for information before the event began in um, possible presidential puppies. After Obama reaffirmed his pledge to get his daughters a dog during his acceptance speech as president, AKC offered poodle puppies for on-air use within hours. We followed any mention of the dog, making sure to stay on top of any doggy conversation and capitalize on the ongoing interest in the subject throughout the campaign. Which I mean, which is really exciting and it's so great, you know, because the Obamas are young and to be able to pledge a dog to, you know, his child really does reaffirm, you know, how do I say like to me, I I grew up with dogs and I mean, you've got pet therapy. Like, I mean, there's so many wonderful ways to include a dog in your life that sometimes we take it, you know, we take that for granted and to be able to utilize the election year and Obama's promise to his to his children is a great way to take something that I think people take for granted and put it out in the forefront. I think you guys did a great job with that, which is great. So you guys, your campaign kicked off on July 3rd weekend with um, with Gene Moss, the segment on CNN's Situation Room, which introduced the presidential pup poll. Yes? Yeah, we thought... Yeah, we thought her style of reporting um, was actually a perfect match for the campaign. We also thought the 4th of July tie-in was really great, given that it was a presidential election year. Um, the segment aired on more than more than a dozen times on CNN. It was picked up by about 68 local stations across the country after that. In the end, by the end of that week, it actually aired 124 times that first week alone. Then AP and Yahoo sort of decided to to get in the game themselves. They did a poll that really helped to extend your reach. Exactly. Uh, Within the launch phase, we were mentioned in about 184 outlets alone. Um, And by the end of the campaign itself, AKC spokesperson had appeared on just about every morning show. We were on Good Morning America, The Today Show, CNN's American Morning, Fox & Friends, World News Tonight, uh, even an article in Time magazine. And we covered pretty much every type of media. We were in um, online. We were uh, we had news on Gawker.com about the presidential poll. Um, okay, Weekly covered us. People Magazine. We really covered the gamut. And like, and that's the amazing thing. I mean, think about it. Like, you know, Forbes Magazine to like Us Weekly. 
or okay. I mean, like, that's crazy. You know, when you think about how dogs are so universal and especially purebred dogs and understanding, you know, that you, if you do have allergies, that you can have a dog and how to be responsible. I think you guys did a phenomenal job of finding, um, finding a cool wave, someone else's wave to an extent and, and riding that crest. Yeah, it was really great given the fact that we were talking about dogs. Um, the tie-in also with the presidential election um, really helped us out. And Obama also helped us out by keeping our message pretty much alive in talking about the dog and a lot of his interviews. He mentioned it in his presidential expe- acceptance speech. Um, he really kept the news going and kept the, the interest and in, the public in suspense as well. Yeah, well, he made it light. You know, he took something, you know, my God, that presidential election was one of the most intense we've ever seen. And it's nice to see something that's lighthearted, back to family, you know, something that has to do with family and, and, and a positive foundation for children being highlighted. And it's nice to see media outlets like across the board adopting this because it is nice to have like a, something positive that people can participate in that's just not so hardcore stressful. Like, oh, OK, I can help contribute to you know, the the next presidential dog. It makes me feel good that I can contribute, but it's not so arduous that I'm, I'm making a decision on, you know, you know, the use of natural gas. Right. Also, think about the news over the, the past year or even the past six months or during the presidential campaign. Damn depressing. It was all pretty hard news. Mm-hmm. Sorry. No, no. No, you're oh, right. Oh, no, you, I thought you said something that... Yeah, no, no, you're right. I mean, yes, taking a look at the news... In, in okay. the past six months, things were very intense, and this was something that was very positive and uplifting, and and allowed people to have. I would assume, you know, they, a they could identify with it, b they could they could um, engage themselves with it, and it wasn't something that was so arduous and tough. It was positive. It was back to basics. It was like Camelot all over again. Right, and it was also a, a, a nice, happy, feel-good story for the media to report on during that time, especially when they're delivering a lot of really hard news that people don't want to hear at the time. To have something kind of lighthearted like that that everybody could relate to really was a plus for us. Yeah, which is terrific. So whose idea was it initially to kick off this campaign? Um, it was really pretty much collectively the American Kennel Club PR department. Um, we've got a really great team of people that work here, and we all have a lot of really great ideas. Um, so everybody really contributed in some way. Yeah, this is terrific. So on evaluation, you know, we went over some of the numbers, but I mean, you guys, you know, your goal was to reach or touch at least 152 million people. And when you did your audit, you came up with 973 million via media. Exactly. And, you know, our quick response to Obama's promise to his daughters um, with our campaign really put us ahead of the, the pack. You know, it really positioned the AKC as a leader among annual animal interest organizations. Um, we were really able to, to dominate the, the coverage, and we really got ahead of the story. You know, which is terrific. And and the website itself, Presidential Pup, became a clearinghouse for information and obviously, you know, offered. But you had, what was attraction on the site itself? Um, the site itself was really great because um, every time our traffic would spike, whenever we released information about the potential Obama dog, whenever Obama mentioned it, um, we really got a lot of spikes throughout the entire campaign. Yeah, and you garnered, what, close to 600,000 unique page views on the site? Yeah. As of yeah, the- and about 
we, we had about 42,000 people that also voted in the presidential PUP um, poll. So, um, unfortunately, only people were allowed to vote once. So, a lot of times people would come back and try to vote again, but um, they could only really vote once. There you go. As everyone should only be able to vote once, I think that's very fair. As in the presidential campaign. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, interesting for you. So, out, outputs versus outcomes. What would you say, you know, outside of the fact that obviously, you know, you've got every president usually has a dog that they choose. And this was a little bit more special because, you know, there's children involved and she has, you know, allergies. So there's a really nice story to tell. And it was something positive in a a time of of true crisis and change. Um, But as as it relates to you meeting and exceeding your objectives at the American Kennel Club, what do you perceive, like, you know, if you could give maybe like one to three um, outputs that, that generated the outcomes that you were looking for? Um, sure. Well, um, the first off, um, not only did Obama mention his promise uh, to get the dog in his acceptance speech, but he also, in doing that, declared his joy for dog ownership all over the world. So that was one really great plus for us. Um, he also helped us get out the word on hyperallergenic breeds um, and teaching the public that there are a choice of about a dozen breeds that people could choose from if they do have allergies. Um, another thing that um, we were really um, glad for is that um, we were able to model uh, the process of how to get a dog through a popular presidential candidate. Um, that turned out to be a really great way to educate the public on how to responsibly attain a dog. Um, Obama really proved to be a great role model and went public with every step in, in uh, getting his dog. Yeah, which is which is terrific. So you would look at almost anything like, you know, the the near 230 million people um, after Obama's acceptance speech, you know, where he reiterated his his dog promise to his daughters for, you know, getting getting them a dog that any time that they mentioned, you know, purchasing a dog, hypoallergenic, how to responsibly choose a dog, that 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 reflected the message that you needed to put the AKC on the top of the list of people's minds. Right. Well, um, not, I mean, we didn't count that in our press coverage, any of that into it. It really just sort of kept the story alive and kept the public interested and really built the suspense for us. Yeah. I mean, this is a great, this is a great feel-good story. Um, great information, fabulous tactics used. I mean, talk about deploying a campaign at the right time and getting a very strong lift in a very short period of time. Um you know, Christina Duffney, congratulations on a phenomenal campaign. Well, thank you. It really just goes to show that, you know, if you're creative enough and, you know, you pay attention to what's going on, that you really can achieve a lot through PR. Yeah, absolutely. Timing, you know, obviously finding, you know, timing is has a lot to do with it. And then finding something compelling that resonates with people where they can respond and feel like they're participating in a positive way. And I think you guys did a great job with that. Well, thank you. Yay. Well, you know, cheers to you and these uh, upcoming Silver Anvils. Best of luck to you when it comes to uh, Silver Anvil evening. But I think you guys should really enjoy the fact that you were nominated for a Silver Anvil. That's the highest award you could wish to achieve in the public relations community. 
Exactly. We really are excited about that. It's the highest achievement, and it really is just confirmation that, you know, all the work that you do really does mean a lot. So we're really excited about being nominated. That is so awesome. So what are you going to, is there anything special you're going to do while you're in New York? Um, Well, we're actually based in New York, but if we win, I'm going to go to Disneyland. Oh my God, you're so cute. Well, you're going to Disneyland or Disney World? Uh, Disneyland. Really? I'm going to be a little different. Good for you. Well, you know what? Well, you know, I'd like to go with you and follow you around with a, with a, with a microphone. It's like <laughs> one of my favorite places is Disney. Never lose a heart of a child. Well, good for you. I hope you get to go to Disneyland. Well, I do too. I do too. The best of luck to you and congratulations to your team for just doing a great job and, um, you know, I mean, what can I say? I grew up in and around the AKC, and, and you guys really do great works. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me. Terrific. Terrific. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. That was Christina Duffney, Director of Public Relations for the American Kennel Club. Once again, um, their category entered is 4D, Events and Observances, More Than Seven Days, Association and Nonprofit Organizations, Campaign to Find a Dog for Obama. Stay tuned for more 2009 PRSA Silver Anvil Awards coverage only on webmasterradio.fm. Stick around. Cover story. We'll be back after this short break. Are you happy with your landing page performance? Discover how to improve your landing page performance with conversioncritic.com. Brought to you by Engine Ready. Turn your underperforming landing pages into cost-effective sales-producing machines. Be sure you're not wasting your precious PPC budget. Conversion Critic tools give you the ingredients to create high converting landing pages. You don't have to be an expert to use Engine Ready's Conversion Critic tools, but you'll feel like a landing page pro. Take the guesswork out of increasing your conversion rate. Visit conversioncritic.com and boost your conversion rate for free. That's www.conversioncritic.com. Looking for a new way to build backlinks and traffic back to your website? Then look no further than the quickest and easiest way to blast your article to thousands of subscribers at the click of a mouse. Introducing ArticleSender.com, the world's premier article distribution service. With ArticleSender.com, you can submit your prize-winning piece to thousands of promising publishers and article directories craving for fresh content. ArticleSender.com also provides premium services so that your article is SEO SEO ready. Plus, we provide express editorial review for rush delivery of your submissions within 24 to 48 hours article distribution at its easiest one form one click thousands of results get your free account today at articlesender.com that's article s-e-n-d-e-r.com this is a test of the PR Web content and news delivery system from PR Web and PRWebAuthor.com. If this was a real release date, your story would reach more than 30,000 journalists, 250,000 RSS subscribers, and just over 30,000 unique websites. PR Web can reach your target audience online, drive traffic to your website, achieve high rankings on search engines, and get your content on top news sites like Yahoo News. Editors are available 24-7 to help you optimize your content for maximum exposure to over 70 million people in the U.S. alone. If this were a real PR web release date, your website would have so much traffic, you'd be tempted to duck and cover. If you have an online marketing emergency, go to prwebauthor.com for 25% off. PR Web, the premier online release news and content distribution service. 
Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Or on demand anytime inside the entertainment channel. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Commercials off. Now back to Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host. Welcome back to our exclusive coverage of the 2009 PRSA Silver Anvil Awards. Once again, here's Brandy Shapiro Babin. I'm extremely happy to have as our featured guest today, um, Linda Bernstein Jasper, who is Assistant Vice President at Coin PR who has a very strong background um, working with not-for-profits as well as for-profits, more specifically in the healthcare industries. Um, she managed public affairs for Empire Blue Cross and Blue Shield, um, the largest health insurer in New York State. Um, she's also worked with the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, the nation's largest healthcare philanthropy organization. Um, and of course, she is representing today Humana. And joining us as well is Jim Turner, Manager for Corporate Communications at Humana. Jim leads Humana's national media and public relations efforts. He's been with the company for nine years. What a fabulous testimony. And previously worked as a broadcast journalist for 14 years. And of course, he lives in Humana's corporate hometown of Louisville, Kentucky. First of all, I'd like to say congratulations on your nominations for the Public Relations Society of America's Silver Anvils. It's truly um, one of the highest achievements that one could attain in their career. So hats off to you. Uh, and this is obviously for your submission. It's Category 7A, Marketing Consumer Products Healthcare. And uh, your entry is Share and Share a Bike. Humana brings bike sharing to the masses. Um, agency is Humana Corporate Communications. And of course, Coin Public Relations. So, Jim, let, let's talk a little bit about the background to this campaign, because this campaign actually started at home. It did. We um, launched a bicycle sharing program, Humana, um, for our 10,000 or so Louisville associates um, in the late summer of 2007. Um, our uh, company is set up in Louisville all along Main Street. We're in several buildings along Main Street, and, and we decided it would be nice if we could give um, all of the employees along Main Street uh, a way to get from one building to another um, other than just walking or, in some cases, driving. Um, we, we launched this thing in June, July, August, right in that time frame in 2007, and within just a few weeks uh, of starting the bike-sharing program, um, we had you know between 2,000 and 3,000 of our associates who had signed up for it. So um, we pretty quickly realized that um, this was a bigger hit than we expected it to be. Um, well, we knew it would be popular, would be popular, didn't know it would be that popular. And, and so it immediately got us thinking, what other things could we do with um, bike sharing? What could we do um, in other Humana markets? What could we do nationally? Um, and I know we're going to get to that, but um, it was based on our uh, original and initial experience in Louisville um, and the success we had with our own employees here that got us thinking, what else can we do with this program that's called Freewheeling? Right, which is like lead by example. You know, your healthcare right, right. organization, let's do something, you know, let's put our best foot forward, um, so to speak. To, to help, you know, create well-being and, and health and hopefully, you know, prophylactically take care of our own employees. So let me ask you a question. This is a silly question. But people sure. are, so you've got people doing this bike sharing. You, you provided the bikes, correct? Right, right. Okay. Did, were, the bikes, were the bikes branded with Humana? 
they were branded with Freewheel, and that was the name of the okay. of the program. And we had bike stations. We still do, in fact, uh, along Main Street in Louisville. Um, we're in you know half a dozen or so buildings along Main Street here in downtown Louisville, and we have bicycle stations, you know, strategically positioned up and down Main Street. Um, you know, we positioned this to uh, you know our associates uh, as a way to you know get from one building to another, as a way to do it in in, in a way that's healthier than driving from one end of Main Street to the other, and, and also is something that was just fun. I mean, it's not every day you can go out and uh, you know relive your childhood a little bit, hop on a bike, uh, tool around downtown for a little bit, and we did have a lot of people who were telling us. I haven't ridden a bike since I was a kid. Right. So uh, fortunately, um, riding a bike is as easy as, you know, well, riding a bike. And uh, <laughs> p- people get, get back into it pretty quickly. And, and that's been our experience, whether it was here in Louisville or um, later uh, in 2008 at the political convention. So, and I, again, I know we're going to get to that. Yeah, absolutely. How, how many employees do you have uh, in corporate headquarters in Louisville? Around the country, we have about 29,000, mm-hmm. and roughly a third of those, between nine and 10,000, are right here in Louisville. Um, so this was uh, something that gave a lot of people a chance to hop on bikes downtown. So you're, you're telling me that 2,700 people adopted the free reeling program internally at Humana? They signed up for it within the first few weeks. That was the number, and, I, and after that, we had some, some more folks sign up. But, you know, we had, you know, roughly a quarter or more of our employees say, sure, I might, I might take a spin on one of these bikes, uh, you know, now and again. And so um, I'm not sure what number we expected, but I, I don't think it was quite that high. And, and that quickly told us that, you know, there was potential uh, for this program um, outside of Louisville. It, it was, at, at that point, I believe, you know, I'm not sure if it was the largest, but one of the largest bike sharing programs that a that a corporation had launched for its employees in the country, and uh, it just got us thinking, what else can we do with this? Jim, we're finding it very interesting this year. A lot of the submissions that were made for the silver anvils um, revolved around um, this, you know, very very important election year, and really finding a way to include themselves in a newsworthy way, um, you know, in the election year. Can you tell me how, you know, the, the process that you went through and how you found a way to incorporate this into the election year that was meaningful and positive and obviously, you know, bolstered Humana brand equity in a, in a sure. specific way? would be glad to do that, um, Brandy. You know, here it was September of 2007, less than a year from less than a year away from the political conventions. We knew we had something that was uh, really popular with our associates. We were thinking, what else could or should we do with freewheeling? And at about the same time, the folks with an organization uh, called Bikes Belong, which is one of the nation's leading bicycle advocacy organizations, they were also thinking in 2008, especially with it being an election year, um, a year when we'd have the political conventions, they were specifically thinking they wanted to do something big with bicycles at the convention. I'm not sure how the conversation first happened, but we at Humana started talking with the folks at Bikes Belong, which is based in Boulder, Colorado. And uh, before you know it, late in 2007, we had a proposal that we were taking to both uh, the DNC and the RNC to bring 1,000 bicycles to each of the political conventions, offering free rides to delegates, to local uh, citizens, to visitors to the conventions. Um, You know, you just basically had to have a a driver's license and a credit card to check out a bike. The bikes were free. We just uh, took the the credit cards to have a record uh, that the person had checked out the bike. And so um, fast forward from, you know, late 2007 to early 2008, and by, you know, January, February 2008, we had 
um, the support of both political conventions to bring or to take freewheeling uh, to each convention. Um, it, it was a great thing, a fortuitous thing for us that that both of the conventions, uh, especially the DNC at first, but then also the RNC, were focused on everything they could do to make the conventions green conventions. Mm-hmm. What better way to do that in terms of personal transport than having bicycles on hand for everyone? So, so that gets you from late 2007 when we launched the program internally at Humana to early 2008 when we had hooked up with the folks at Bikes Belong and had uh, their support and had uh, and the support uh, of both the DNC and the RNC to take the bicycles to the convention. So we had, you know, we were sitting there in March or so of 2008. We had less than six months to put it all together. You know what? Like, A, you know, congratulations. A lot of moving parts. That's pretty amazing. But how, how did you how did you get from... Let's do something for our employees, seeing it work. Like, what was your aha moment to expand this in, in, in such a meaningful way? I think it was just the feedback of our own uh, employees, our own associates. Mm-hmm. Not only did uh, they check out the bikes and droves, but they just sent wonderful messages to, you know, to the people that put the program together, to company leaders, just um, really uh, genuinely appreciative and thankful that, that we were the one and only employer here in downtown Louisville and one of the only ones in the country that was investing in a program like this uh, you know, for our associates. They, they really seemed genuinely supportive and appreciative of it, and we thought, Wow, maybe others would feel that way too, and so we wanted to look for opportunities to take, you know, to take the free will and program um, to, you know, other settings, other venues, and, and again, um, it, it just worked out great that we teamed up with the folks at Bikes Belong, um, whose whose entire mission is promoting bicycle riding, and uh, it, it happened quickly. But uh, w- once we did uh, make it happen, um, it was a, a crazy six months or so leading up to the convention. I-, I can imagine, and you know, it just I think the part that impresses me the most is just seeing a true need. I mean, I think, yes, obesity in the United States is horrible. You know, lead by example, you know, and and hopefully those will follow you. Um, You know, be the carbon footprint, obviously, you know, going green. Excellent. Yeah, it's great for your health. It's great for the environment. And as we kept trying to stress to people, Mm -hmm. it's fun. You know, so many people, and there were, you know, one person after another would check out a bike at the convention and tell us, wow, I haven't done this for a while. And then they'd get on the bike and they'd be gone with it for three or four hours and come back uh, just, you know, really, really uh, yeah, giddy about up. the experience they'd had and saying, I'm going to have to get that bike out of the rafters in my garage at home now. Yeah, a little endorphin rush, you know, good sure. serotonin mix. But I think what the cool, the best part about it, too, from a practical standpoint is, oh, my goodness, it must have been so difficult with all the media outlets there and, and the people that were attending both conventions to get around the city. Sure, so especially in Denver, where uh, all the activity was concentrated, you know, within about a square mile or two around the Pepsi Center where the convention was held, and then all the downtown buildings. There was a little more room to spread out in the Twin Cities because you had the, the Republican convention in St. Paul. A lot of the convention delegates and visitors were staying, you know, 12 or so miles away in Minneapolis. So a little more elbow room at the RNC, but there in downtown Denver, it was uh, especially congested, and um, the, the numbers uh, tell that story. We did have a, a lot of participation in both cities, but we had more people, more people taking more rides in, in uh, Denver than we did in the Twin Cities. Yeah, which is, I mean, which is terrific. And I mean, if, if, if I was there, I would have gotten on a bike because I'm all about, you know, sometimes it's about the journey, not the destination. But for an event like that, 
you need to get where you're going. So and plus you could, both, um, just one other point. Mm-hmm. You know, there's if, when you look at different rankings of what are the most bicycle friendly communities in the country, mm-hmm. um, Portland, Oregon, you know, almost always comes out on top in those surveys. But right behind Portland at numbers two and three, I think, are Denver and Minneapolis. So right. that that was just another uh, you know uh, fortuitous uh, thing that that made this such such a hit. We were in two communities that were already really bicycle friendly. Lots of bike paths. Uh, people who are um, used to seeing lots of bikes on the roadways, and so it's it's really safer to I would say to ride in those cities than in some others. So um, we had that going for us too. There there were a lot of things that that worked in our favor on this, which is terrific. Now, Linda, um, you know Jim and his team came to you from Humana. They had the framework of this program. Let's talk about the planning and preparation for maximizing the outputs and the outcomes with this campaign. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, a tremendous opportunity. I think we recognize that, you know, right away. Um, certainly you hear convention and this unique opportunity, and you know how much media is going to be there. So um, I think, you know, the collective PR ears really perked up here. But, um, you know, our our goal, we knew that we would be able to get media at the convention, because certainly there was media there, but we wanted to prevent this from being a one-day story. So, a lot of planning and a lot of research went into this to how we can just keep tapping the media along the way at what points, you know, in months leading up to this because, you know, we knew that there was going to be interest, but once the convention started, we knew that the media interest would drop because obviously their attention would turn to the candidates. So um, that was our real goal was to extend this to a multi-month story, um, which we were very successful in doing. Okay, so let's talk about those components. I mean, because it's interesting, you 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 know, you established up front that potentially this could be a one-day story. There's a lot of news mm-hmm. out there, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. when it wasn't being, you know, when, when the news wasn't being predicated by what was going on specifically um, with the various um, candidate potentials, it was it was a lot of negativity floating around. So, and um, you know, the old story, if it bleeds, it leads. How, you know, you guys had a feel-good, positive story. Mm-hmm. How did you take this path? Let's talk about the components all the okay. moving parts that allowed you to take this past a one-day story. Okay. I mean, I, what happened originally was um, starting back in July, there was um, a congressional challenge, and Humana's Government Relations Department worked with um, several stakeholders in D.C. Um, in fact, there's a congressional bike caucus, and several Democrats and Republicans got together, and they actually issued what we termed a bike partisan challenge. And it was really where they set down the gauntlet and said, we're challenging all freewheeling riders at the conventions to ride 25,000 miles and burn a million calories. So by doing that, and we had a press event on Capitol Hill, and um, you know we brought the legislators out there, and we had a lot of media there, but we actually set the baseline for which we would be measuring our success during the entire convention. So that was really the beginning. Um, after that, we started to, as we started to get closer to the convention, we started doing what we were terming um, Santa's workshops. I think and it's adorable. Were, yeah, they're essentially media previews because while the the biking itself is very interesting. Another component that's really fascinating about this was actually the logistics that went into this. And certainly hats off to Humana. It was a tremendous logistical challenge to, you know, get the 
bike there, and they actually came in pieces. They, everything had to be assembled, a thousand bikes. It's a tremendous undertaking. So we invited all the media out. They had in each city they would have you know big warehouses warehouses where the bikes are being assembled by volunteers. We actually invited the media out to come see what was happening to really start to build the excitement um, before the actual event. And those were those were terrific. I mean, they really got. Um, the media excited about what was about what was to come, and that was um, also a great visual as well. How, how did you um, posture of, that? May I ask, Linda? How I mean, did we what? I love seeing um, PR companies deploying all sorts of social media tactics, mm-hmm. and you guys really had a focused, like several, cam- you know, more than several campaigns that that were social media focused. Mm-hmm. Um, can we t- let's 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 talk a little bit about that because it was a really progressive concept. Sure. I mean, you know, the convention and the whole concept behind freewheeling is that it's a very green um, movement. And so we really wanted to stay in concert with that. So we actually didn't even do any paper press kits. We didn't want to do that. So um, what we used to kick off the actual announcement of the event was something we call a social media press release, which is basically a live press release, and it goes into the body of an email. And I'm sure most people are familiar with them, but, you know, they have links, and we had quotes, and there's audio, and there's visual, and it's just a great way um, to get it out to... Generally, we use them toward uh, social media, toward bloggers, but in this case, we actually use it for traditional media as well, and that way they could take the pieces and embed them into their blogs or or whatever, um, including, you know whatever, the links or the video or, or the photos themselves. So that was actually the kickoff um, itself. Excuse and actually me. All- oh, and can I make, may I just make an addition to that? Because I think yeah. you're making a really good point. I think a lot of our listeners know this, but I think it's very, very important. You know, when you're, when you, when you push out a press release, let's say through PR web, for example, you can, you can upload um, audio, video, they'll, they'll search engine optimize it for you. So, and you're going out to traditional media as well as online media. So from a quote unquote carbon footprint standpoint, it it works very well, but also from the standpoint of really maximizing your message in as many ways possible and giving the media outlets, whatever it is that they need to be able to adopt your story. Mm -hmm. I think it, you know, it garners, it garners you uh, as the, as the client. Certainly, and the the bloggers are a really important part of this story. That we don't look at them as, you know, extra media. They are media, and they're treated as media. And we invited them. They would come to the to the press events. We invited them to the Washington press event. They're very, very important in this movement. Um, you know, again, it's a, it's a social type of movement, and it just makes sense to be in the blogosphere in the social media space. So, um, certainly, you know, so the social media press release was the kickoff, and um, you know, Humana had. They had a very, um, a very, um, very strong website, and they had a Facebook page, and they had Flickr, and they were tweeting. And this was a year ago. This was before Oprah and Ashton started tweeting. Right, you know, right. like they they were tweeting what was going on. So, you guys are early adopters. There you go. Yeah, and they had webcams, you know, at, at the bike station, so that people could actually, you know, take a view of what was happening at the events. There were pictures going up every single day. We had a lot of video. Um, we had a YouTube channel, so we were posting up video every single day. And during the event, there were lots of legislative rides um, where we invited out um, particular legislators to come lead a ride with their constituents. And so every time we would have video of that, we would post it, and then we would allow the stations to pull down the video in, in their hometown. So, um, you know, video and social media in particular were very, very crucial to this to this entire campaign. Which is excellent. I think a great, I mean, a true great component to this, you just mentioned the video aspect of it is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
make things as easy as possible for the journalists to adopt. Yeah. And and they'll run your story. Yeah. You know, make things as easy as possible. Let me ask you a question. When it comes to working with bloggers, let's say within this campaign, how did you, um, I guess it's sort of a two-part question. First part of the question is, how did you establish which bloggers you were going to work with? Mm-hmm. Research. <laughs> and, you know, we're very particular about how we find the bloggers. Um, we actually have a, a, we call it a 45 to 1 rule at COIN where, you need to research every blog for 45 minutes at least until it can be, um, you know, on our list. Mm-hmm. You really want to be careful. You never want to get into a bad thread. So, Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and the blogging, you know, to be honest, it, it crosses over because it's such a big program. It wasn't just those who supported bike riding. We also went out to travel blogs, traditional media blogs, to green blogs. I mean, there, there are a lot. But um, research really and vetting them, vetting them in a really positive way. Okay, but how do you? You know, that? one thing I would just add to that, um, Brandy, mm-hmm. um, that, that worked in our favor as well. Um, in, in addition to all the great work the folks at Coin did um, in advance and, and in the days leading up to the convention, we had uh, seven or eight bicycle stations in each of the convention cities, and in Denver, um, as you know, luck would have it, one of our bicycle stations was was next door to uh, a, a huge tent that uh, Google had set up to host all of the bloggers who were coming to the DNC. So there, there was not a blogger covering the Democratic Convention who could who, who could walk past our freewheel and bike station and, and miss it. I mean, they all knew about it because they physically saw it in action, and, and uh, you know, uh, that that was something else that worked in our favor here. Hey, no, that's terrific. But, I'm, I'm, but I am, I'm very interested in knowing, so what what is the vetting process for you to just, mm-hmm. you know, to, to choose like which blogger? I mean, prior to getting to the conventions, right? Because you're trying to enroll them up front so you can get maximum exposure. Mm-hmm. What What is like your internal vetting process? Um, I mean, it, it's a it's a fairly complex process that we that we use here, which um, but to explain it. Sort of in layperson's terms, is that you know the easiest way is really just to spend the time reading these blogs and getting to know them. You know, you go through. You need to be really diligent in going through every single section. You know, going back as far mm-hmm. as you can go, um, and just really taking the time. Just reading, you know, one post is is really not good enough. Um, because if there was something that is questionable or we think could turn the story the wrong way, we won't use it. I mean, because it's interesting. It's hard sometimes to tell who's authoritative. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and who isn't. Mm-hmm. And a lot of but times... it doesn't have to be, yeah, and it certainly doesn't have to be who has the most viewers, or who has the highest technorati mm-hmm. rating. Like, that's not, those weren't what the factors we were looking at. Because you may just have, you know, several hundred, hundred viewers a month, but you might be influential. So there's ways to measure that. But it's not about numbers. It's about what they're writing about and who are they speaking to and who's on their blog role and, and various different factors that go into the equation. Yeah, I do. I find that very interesting, you know, understanding like who your circle of influence is mm-hmm. when, when you're aggregating from a web perspective. Right. You know, a- absolutely. And do you find that working with different bloggers, um, you know, because we now have, you know, citizen journalism and, you know, you speak to some people and they say, oh, my God, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Other people are very frustrated because, you know, it's, it's the chicken and the egg sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, you have someone that's very passionate about a topic. They're a quote unquote layperson. They're not a media person. Mm-hmm. And they've got a very stringent way as to how they would like to do things, and they realize potentially they can make money from this. You know, did you find? Did you? Did, is it difficult for you, as a as a PR firm, to create? You know, how long does it normally take you to create strong relationships with the bloggers? Um, 
I'm not really sure I can actually like That's quantify true. it. I think it just depends, you know, what the industry is and, and what it is that you're working on. But I do think, just like traditional media, it's something that you build over time. You know, it's it's the same thing with the New York Times reporter. It doesn't it doesn't happen overnight. You need to build that relationship. But you know, we we consider them media. We treat them as media, and we try to provide them with the tools and the information that they need to write good posts. And you know, we we take them very seriously. I think they're a really important part of this sort of new media landscape that we're all part of. Absolutely. And from a viral aspect, you know, extremely important. Yeah. You know, just as just as, as Flickr, I mean, all the visuals that you had, I'm sure people were sharing the mm-hmm. Facebook groups, people are adopting across the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, and, and Twitter obviously is, is very strong as well. So let's talk about the evaluation because you guys did a really amazing job. I think you met and way exceeded your goals. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I think I hope Jim would agree. <laughs> I would agree, absolutely. Uh, we we didn't know going into this that we'd have more than uh, you know two thousand um, you know print broadcast web uh, stories uh, when when we got through the process. So yeah, that that definitely exceeded our expectations uh, by a long stretch. I mean, this is incredible. You guys, I mean, some of the highlights are, you know, you had five AP stories, two New York Times articles, two USA Today articles, two Washington Post articles, stories in the Wall Street Journal and Newsweek. I mean, of course, you were all over the Denver Post. They adopted you at least 13 times. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. More than 1,500 pictures were submitted to Flickr, uploaded to Flickr, generating over 17,000 views, and there were 10,000 visits to freewheelandwaytogo.com um, and, and so much more, which is really, I mean, which is really, really, I mean, it's terrific. So I'd like to say Linda Bernstein Jasper, Assistant Vice President at Coin PR, and Jim Turner from Humana. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Brandon. Yeah. You have been listening to our exclusive coverage of the 2009 ERSA. Silver Anvil Awards, only on webmasterradio.fm.